Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. people what's happening it's your girl coco hi everybody and if you're not a part of the coco community before you are now if you weren't a part of the coco community you are now thanks for joining me on episode 30 and i just want to let you know that it is balls out tits out hot today it has been in the 90s suffice to say we are in full swing for the summer now I've had the craziest week since my birthday, and I recorded the last episode a few days before my birthday, so I didn't exactly get to express how I feel about something that's been going on lately, and uh, just want to let you guys know that, you know, with everything going on right now and everything, I'm trying to hold it together, but like mentally, I'm not really prepared or know how to deal with certain things having to do with certain people that I'd come to like. And I know if you're a friend of mine, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you don't really follow this person, you know, I follow them and I think they're hysterical as shit. And the person I'm referring to is Chris D'Elia. If you haven't already heard what happened, it's basically that he has sexual assault allegations against him. And it came out literally the day before my birthday, and I was heartbroken and torn. And I still am kind of, because I I don't know him on a personal level, so I'm just going to say that right now. And pedophilia is never okay. And that's basically what's going on right now, is that celebrities are being taken down. There was four in a row, it feels like. I think it was Ansel Elgort, Chris D'Elia, Danny Masterson, and Justin Bieber. Four people, all within days of each other, have the same stuff going on, just at different levels. Justin Bieber was able to prove on social media so far with receipts and such that he was nowhere at the Four Seasons where that chick said he was. I don't really care. (laughs) It's not that I don't care about the specific details. Is I didn't really research this heavy enough because everywhere in the media today is like hurting my feelings really bad. And my head's just not in the right place for that. But I just have to say, man, I'm really getting sick of this fucking cancel culture shit. We live in a society now that regardless of what the person did before any of the allegations came, I'm like I said, I am not standing up for pedophilia. I'm in no way glamour, like, what is it? Glamorizing? Don't even know what the word is. I'm not trying to sensationalize the positives of pedophilia because there isn't any. Someone has a mental illness and this is why they do what they do, which is basically what I believe. You don't have to agree with me. We don't need to have a debate about this. I just wanted to get out how I feel on my platform because there's there's people that were riding really hard for him and it really 
disgusts me a little bit that they would turn their back on him as quickly as these allegations came because as quickly as they come, they can go. And that's what I've been seeing lately all over Twitter. Like, Whitney Cummings, for the love of God, you don't need to say anything else. Like, yeah, free speech and all. But like, you rode so hard for him. These allegations came out and now you turned your back and wiped your whole life of him. That's bullshit. You can't have years of history with somebody and then an allegation, allegations and possible proof of it having happened. Nobody's even talking to this guy to see what actually is going on with him. Everybody like turns their back and shit. And it's like the, the guy's basically dead, dead meat, like he dead man walking, as they used to say. And I just, it just sickens me. Like, I really just, it had me heart, it has me heartbroken. It has me sad because, you know, again, don't know him personally, but I appreciated his comedy. His comedy was on my sense of humor. The reason why I started doing this podcast in the first place is because I would listen to his podcast every day and laugh my ass off. And I'm like, I hope I can actually do this for other people. I don't really care about getting famous off of it. This is just something fun for me. It it was a hobby. It was something I, I did for myself and I I really enjoy the audience I'm building and you know it's just it's one of those things where you it's not even an admire thing, it's not an idolizing thing, it's just I don't know. I'm just I'm heartbroken and upset and it just feels like it's dead silent. Like he apologized once for anything he may have done, but he didn't do it knowingly, which is whatever. Everybody has their opinions of what he said. And I really just hope he comes out on the other side because I'm I'm a big fan of his work and I can't, you know, shit like this is happening to like everybody. And in this pandemic, people are finding reasons to make shit interesting. I've been saying this for like weeks now that during the Black Lives Matter thing, there were people who were not posting on social media who felt important enough or felt like they had to say something. Sometimes the best thing you can do is not say anything. That way, nobody is judging what you're doing, you know, like people like that's what I mean when people come out the woodwork and shit, because then there's like, all right, what's the ulterior motive behind this? Why would this person post this shit when they don't post anything else any other day? When you don't say anything and you move silently, nobody knows shit about you. Also, Chris D'Elia, if you had done this shit six years ago, Fucking own your shit, man. If you made a mistake, you should have come out and did it before someone did this shit to you. I think that's why I'm more mad. Is because he did the shit. He said he would never do something like that. He wasn't defending Pizzagate at all. He was saying it was fucking bizarre. Sir, you were on the cusp of Pizzagate. You were one step slash one phone call away from Pizzagate, okay? Neither here nor there. I didn't want to start this out this serious, but I had to get it out because it's been bothering me and it's been upsetting me. And I legit was tearing up at work thinking about how am I going to do this episode and make people laugh when I feel so distraught on the inside. And then I spoke to the bean hater, Dan, who had his baby. Congratulations, baby bean hater. Um, And he said that I should just vent this out and get it out. And maybe it'll make me feel better. Maybe it'll make other people feel better. But Again, I'm staying hopeful that Chris D'Elia comes out on this on okay, on the up and up. Do whatever you have to, man. Go to rehab. Talk to a therapist. Figure your shit out if that's what you need to do. And fucking come back to us a new person, please. Because this it's heartbreaking and upsetting because we don't know his side of it. I like to hear both sides. And again, 
not defending pedophilia, not saying anything he did was okay, not saying that him texting 16-year-old girls and inviting him to shows or saying, let's make out or some shit is okay. What I'm saying is the person behind it is mentally fucked up and probably needs to be checked up on because he just had a kid with his girl and now his whole fucking life has fallen apart in like a, a matter of days. Anyway, <laughs> oh my God. It felt so good to get out, by the way. But we're also getting back onto what I really wanted to talk about after I vented all that shit out to you. Sorry, but not sorry, because you're listening. And I appreciate you listening to me talk about my nonsense. But this is what's happening in real life is we live in a country or a society of people who like to drag and cancel other people. And it, it never used to be like that. You used to be able to tease someone and it'd be done. But with social media being as advanced as it is, everybody's keeping tabs on everybody. And now everybody's checking up on everybody or screenshotting shit and sending it to this, that, and this, and that, and this, and that, and this, and that. Damn. Like, can we not? Can we take a minute to be like, maybe this was important years ago. Maybe I should go to therapy and sort this out instead of post my entire fucking life on Facebook. (laughs) Like, maybe reassess what we feel is important for other people to know. But anyway, so I also learned in, in... I also did some research and in finding out about Chris D'Elia being dragged because it was in a video, but it was also, they also had RuPaul in the same video saying that he was transphobic. Now, RuPaul has been dressing up as a woman for what feels like centuries. And to call him transphobic, I was like, wait, probably need to read this before I get actually angry about this because it's RuPaul and RuPaul loves drag. He even has a thing called RuPaul's Drag Race, which I think is beautiful. So this is what he said. This, this, we live in the United States of dragging. That's what I'm calling it. It's not the United States of America anymore. It's the United States of dragging. Because if there's one thing we can all agree on is when someone's a piece of shit on the internet. So this is what they did to RuPaul. So RuPaul basically came out, he made a statement And this was two years ago, so someone is still bringing this up from two years ago in March. So March 5th, 2018, RuPaul made some transphobic claims. So he made a comment which was comparing transitioning to taking performance-enhancing drugs. So basically, he's saying that if you were a woman transitioning to be a man, or you were a man transitioning to be a woman, and you did drag, it was like you were cheating, basically. You were cheating the system that he didn't create, by the way. He did not create drag, which is whatever. But like he said, his quote on on his IG page, excuse me, said, you can take performance enhancing drugs and still be an athlete, just not in the Olympics. Okay, here we go. So RuPaul, Michael Phelps performance-enhancing drugs, was an Olympic swimmer. So he didn't make it to the Olympics. Who else? Someone else did some... Every Olympic... Okay, every Olympian we've ever had that we've known about from the U.S., or any country for that matter, has at some point taken a performance-enhancing drug. I think Lance Armstrong did the shit too. The guy has one nut and biked the Tour de France, whatever, and they found out, all oh, performance-enhancing drugs. Dude, he doesn't have the ability to produce enough testosterone to fucking win a Tour de France, man. <laughs> like, really? Y'all didn't figure that out? 
old boy has one nut and is biking around France. You have to be on some kind of drug to want to do that for a living. And then not only that, that guy had the cojone, because he only has one, the cojone to go out and cheat on Cheryl Crow. Sir, that is two ball energy, okay? You can't have one nut and do that shit. That makes no sense, okay? He has one nut and had the ability to do what a man with two nuts does. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing to me that he did that. I don't condone what he did. He had two nut energy on a one nut human being. That's great. That's great. Good for him. He had the cojone and the fake one, like the shadow one, (laughs) telling him, yeah, do that. Do that. You're fine. Everyone will pity you because you have one nut. He went and did it. Not to keep saying it over and over again, but that's that's crazy. I've never heard. And and then that other Olympian who had no legs, forgot his name. He was African. He had no legs and he went to trial. Hold on a second. Let me look this up. Olympic athlete kills wife. Was it girlfriend or wife? Okay. What was his name? All right. I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh my God. What is his name? Oh my God, this is ridiculous. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to figure this out. I would probably Oscar Pistorius. There we go. That's what his name is. Oscar Pistorius sentenced to six years in jail. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So the guy had no legs. He has nothing below the knees. Okay. He killed his wife. He gained global fame when he reached the semifinals of the 200-meter sprint at the 2012 Olympics in London. This is from The Guardian. Taken to cells immediately after the sentencing. He was sentenced to six years. That's it. Uh, like, oh, God. <laughs> Dude. He, uh, how does the guy with no legs? That's that's double leg energy. That's what that is. That these people have this. That's crazy energy, dude. You have not nothing below the knees. You freaking won a 200 meter sprint running on metal. And then you go and you kill your wife <laughs> on Valentine's Day 2013. That's crazy. Okay. He, so we got someone with one nut, has one nut, Lance Armstrong has two nut energy, and then we have Oscar Pistorius with no legs, has two leg energy. That's amazing. That's what that says about people, that no matter whatever hardship they face, they're still doing normal shit. They're still doing basic human shit, like lying, cheating, and killing. Like, come on, guys. At least if you win the Olympics, at least have some kind of decency on that medal. You don't need to be out here doing regular shit. Oh, God. Anyway, so that was my, that's my RuPaul rant, my Chris D'Elia rant. Like, this shit is so absurd to me as how he got canceled, RuPaul got dragged, haha. And then the two Olympians, that freaking, what you call it, two Olympians that just, you know, decide to just do whatever they're going to do. Well, one Olympian and one stupid crazy Tour de France guy (laughs) freaking just go out and do whatever the hell they want. This shit is crazy. So anyway, so one of the other things I got 
obsessed with this past week was something called uh, the most dangerous animal of all. Uh, this guy, his name is Gary Stewart, and he was he was. This is the backstory. He wrote a book saying that he believed his dad, his biological father, was a Zodiac killer. And when I heard that on the episode of True Crime Obsessed, I said, oh, got to watch this shit. So I put it on. I start watching it. It's only four episodes. It's on Hulu. Um, FX on Hulu, whatever. If you have FX on demand, it's on that. If you have Hulu, it's on that. Just look it up. It's called The Most Dangerous Animal of All. This guy is fucking nuts, okay? He decided that he was going to write this book and destroy everyone's lives along with it. So he was adopted from birth pretty much, and he never knew who his real parents were. And his obsession began with the day that his biological mother decided she wanted to get in touch with him and basically ruin his life. Well, that's what he made it seem. She was probably just reaching out because that's what mothers do if they have an open, open, well, they didn't have an open adoption because she didn't know this shit was happening at the time. Her man that she was with, her baby daddy, whatever, husband, technical terms, the husband decided that he didn't want a kid in the house because they were, he was an evil, evil fucker. He used to just steal, like steal people and beat, like steal things and beat people up. Wow. Steal people and beat things up. It could be both. But he decided that a child did not fit into their life and they were kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde thing back in San Diego, whatever. And he decided a kid didn't fit into his plans. So he decided that he was, while the mom was away, forgot her name, while she was away, she just, he decided that she was just gonna, you know, he was just gonna give the baby away. So he left the baby in a staircase in the corner of the staircase. Could you imagine? And then that could be the moment where this kid went insane in the beginning. This is right from the start there. But, um, excuse me, throat's dry. Uh, he decided he, this woman comes back into his life. She wants to know how he's doing and wants to talk to him and have a relationship. And this guy's gone like 40, 40 something years of his life without her. Could you imagine if someone finally wants to get to know who you are in your 40s? Like, how do you even have that conversation? Number one, that's probably really difficult. And number two, not worth having. <laughs> We're not going to do this. Like 40 years later, if my mother contacted me and I'd never known her or seen her before in my life, we're not going to do this. Hey, what's your favorite color shit? Like, um, I don't know. Green, the color of money. Like, no, we're not doing this. Get to know you shit anymore. So this guy, Gary Stewart, believes his dad is the Zodiac killer. He goes through four wives believing that his dad is the Zodiac Killer. Like, he's been married four times, basically. And they just come and go throughout his life. The last chick, I think, the last wife they show, I think he's still with. Who knows? But the one constant that stays in his life is his son. I think his son's name is Zach or something. So this guy goes off on this whole tangent of research and stuff, trying to put the pieces together because he finds out that his dad is Earl Van Best Jr. So that's his birth father. So he tries to, he really tries really, really hard to 
push the idea that this guy's a Zodiac killer through research that is basically really reaching. Like when someone really reaches for information to make themselves feel better about something, that's what this guy's doing. So he <laughs> also, if there's even an inkling that your dad is a serial killer, dude, that's it. Just walk away. Just wash your hands of it and walk away. Because that means that somewhere inside you is that evil gene kind of. But you kind of, throughout the four episodes, you see this guy fall further and further into utter chaos and madness and just feeding into this stuff. And, you know, they, they release genomes and alleles and stuff that they say only 5% of Americans have and stuff. And he gives his blood samples to find out if he has the allele that was on TV. And, oh, dude, it's blurry as shit. This is not CSI where you're going to zoom into the picture and, you know, enhance, enhance, enhance. Like, it doesn't work that way. This was 1990-whatever when you were watching this information. And the case has been open for 50 years because they don't know who the Zodiac Killer is. And you're not going to be the one to solve it 50 years later. Your book's not going to be the one to solve it either. Like, oh, God, this guy. <laughs> it was just exhausting. And then, like, it's still unsolved. They still don't know who it was. And, you know, it, this whole obsession with the Zodiac Killer being his dad is destroying all his relationships. And again, the only person who seems to be around is his son. His son, who's like, all right, dad, it's time to eat dinner. Like, his his son is basically taking care of him. Like, it's really difficult to take care of this adult baby. Like, that's what's happening. Like, he's he's reaching for an identity that doesn't seem to be there. Like, he's just filling in holes cracks and holes and stuff with details that don't seem to be there in order to make something fit. And you can't do that because then you'll, you'll still be wondering forever because he found out after all his research and everything, he found out that his dad choked on his own vomit in a car and died in Mexico. Someone reached out to this guy and was like, Hey, listen, I knew your dad. He's dead in like an unmarked grave in Mexico or something. And I'm like, okay, if it's unmarked, why in the next scene do we see Gary Stewart and his son in the cemetery chilling, like paying respects? Like, okay, so an unmarked grave doesn't mean the same thing in Mexico as it does in the United States. Like, how do you find the plot? You know, I I, I don't run a cemetery. I don't know. I'm probably naive to this shit. <laughs> also, the I, I really feel like I need to read this book. I have to read this book because what I saw and what he was saying, there's definitely more detail to it than that. Because at the end, at the, during the last episode, spoiler alert, he said they, they felt that his, his psyche was so messed up over all of this and distraught over the fact that we'll never actually know if his dad is a Zodiac killer or not because he fudged a lot of the stuff in the book, we find out. And the, the co-writer of it basically loses all credibility because she's an investigative journalist and she does all the research for all the other books she has. And she even states that her integrity is the only thing she has. And the book he put out has some false information in it. And they reveal that in the series. They're like, they even like the producers of the show while they're like behind the camera are talking to her and they're like, Hey, did you know that he went there and spoke to this person? And she goes, no, not to my knowledge, but you can see like her whole, her whole demeanor, her whole like posture and everything changes, her whole face changes and everything. And she's just 
immediately gets up. She asks for a minute. She immediately gets up, walks away, and you can hear her crying because her mic is clearly still on or they have the ones that can, like the mics that reach really far. Like you can just hear her and nobody's moved to follow her or anything like that. She just needed to step away because this guy is ruining everybody's life and becoming the piece of shit that his dad was basically. Like how do you, that lady lost her career basically from listening to his dumb ass. Anyway, this is why I would not co-write a book with anybody because I need factual information and I feel bad for her because she got duped. I forget her name, but she got duped into writing a book and believing all the information that she she just was upset because she thought she put her whole life on this. And uh, I'm trying to figure out what her name is. Dangerous animal of all. Dangerous animal. I can't spell. Let's see. What the hell is her name? Susan Mustafa. That's what her name was. Okay, so Susan Mustafa. Her, her integrity is gone from this one book, or at least parts of it. Because now, once something like that comes out, you have to like, okay, apologize for things that you've written, but you also have to blame, you also have to place blame on the person who fed you the information in the first place. Because as Susan says, by the way, she has the craziest hair I've ever seen, and she likes to shoot guns that look fake into the woods, which can't be legal. But like she, um, what does she do? She, she, she asked him multiple times because some of the information seemed fishy to her. And let me tell you something. If you ever feel like in your gut something is wrong, that's your intuition telling you it's probably wrong and not a good idea. Like if you have questions about something, always ask. But if someone tells you something and your your stomach feels like, oh boy, like it's probably not right. Like if your stomach feels like there's a whole bunch of gel, like um, goldfish in it moving around a little bit and you're like, ooh, like not like you're about to poop or anything, but it feels like, you know, just a little too loose. <laughs> A little unsettled, then that's your intuition telling you get out of that situation because something's wrong here. So, like, I feel bad for Susan Mustafa because it's one thing to believe in a person because they're right, but it's an, like another thing to make someone believe you. That's being a sociopath. That's being manipulative. That's just publishing a book because you want to get it published. Also, that publisher man, they didn't have any budget for. Um, they didn't have any budget for for uh fact checking so they didn't even double check they didn't even go back and double check any of the stuff to see if it was right or not so i'm like all right well this book was a flop already and they even show one of the episodes that people were commenting on barnes and noble i think maybe they were showing on one some website where they showed his his book as a new york times bestseller which also crazy because you need to check the facts and stuff but they showed that People were commenting like, oh, way to take evidence and try and manipulate it so that it makes it seem like the Zodiac killer is your dad. And, you know, something like um, with unreasonable doubt or something like that. They threw a whole bunch of stuff in there. And I didn't really write notes on the whole episode because I didn't want to focus my entire episode on this. But the whole series is fucking bananas. And like I said, this guy went crazy and destroyed a whole bunch of lives, destroyed his mother's life, his biological mother's life, because she didn't even know he was writing the book. Like, he didn't even have the nerve or audacity to tell her, hey, listen, I'm writing a book about what happened with my biological father, and this is what I'm putting in it. So people basically had to find out about 
everybody's life through this book, including his biological mother, who didn't really do anything wrong to him. She was just a victim. She was a victim of circumstance because she didn't want to give up her baby. The guy, she left the apartment, came back, and there was no baby. And the guy just looking at her like nothing. Like, hey, where's the kid? Oh, I don't know. You left him in a staircase. That's where he's at. <laughs> like, so this was, a, I went off on a tangent on it, but I just wanted to get to the end of that episode, like the ep- end of that series, because basically they show him going back to the staircase where he was supposedly left with his mother, his biological mother, who hadn't spoken to him since the book was released, which was like five years, I think, five years ago. And this series came out in 2020. So this is a this is recently them speaking. So he must have said something to her to get her to come back to talking to him. Because I don't think I could write a tell-all about my mother and all the violence and shit. And get away with that and get her to talk to me ever again. So, so he goes back to the staircase with her and says that he thinks this is where he was left. Which is very upsetting. But they also say that He had to think that Gary Stewart had to think of the most evil person with the worst heart who could ever leave their kid behind. And that's what he, that's, that's the person who he thought of as his father. Why he would have picked the Zodiac Killer, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something. If I think that my parent is the Zodiac Killer, I don't want to know any further than that. That would make me feel terrible because the Zodiac Killer killed a lot of people and nobody ever found him. I wonder if this person's even alive anymore. But I felt so bad because one of the ways that he made his his birth mother's biological mother feel bad was that he started to blame it on her boyfriend at the time, who was the police officer in charge of investigating the Zodiac Killer. So he tried to say that the San Francisco Police Department was covering up what was going on or covering up the investigation. How do you do that to your mom? Like, he did a lot of bad stuff to her. I probably wouldn't have talked to him for five years either. That's, that's this, the equivalent of what he did is Oscar Pistorius killing his wife and freaking Lance Armstrong cheating on Cheryl Crow with his one nut having ass. <laughs> that's, that's big, big dick energy, as they say. Big dick energy is what that is. And from the way he was crying in that episode, don't think so. <laughs> but anyway, it's not about him. <laughs> well, it was, it was, but it was, I still want to read this book. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so let's, um, to round this out, I, I always throw in something about my job. So to round out this episode, I really don't understand why we're still doing, why we're still giving Corinne, who I am, why are we giving me paperwork still from these COVID tests, man? Do I have nothing else to do with my time besides continue to enter requisitions? Like, don't come to my face and freaking laugh and be like, oh, I should really learn how to enter these in. Like, this is two weeks of you saying that shit to me. So are you going to sit down and learn how to do it? Or are you just going to keep laughing in my face when you hand me the papers? Never been so mad at a person who gets paid more than I do to do a job she's been doing for like 20 some odd years. Girl, take a seat. <laughs> like, she, so she got mad. Last week I took off. So last week I took off Thursday and Friday for my birthday. So 
Wednesday, I get a note from her, and I posted this on my Facebook. I get a note from her on two Quest Diagnostic Vial stickers together that says, Happy birthday, and can you please put out the Obers for the CNAs today? Now, I put out, excuse me, I put out the Obers on Fridays because that's when I normally do them, every Friday, for the weekend. And she had asked me to put them out on a Wednesday because I wasn't going to be around Thursday or Friday, and she was going to be by herself doing COVID swabs on employees, which... Okay, whatever. So I went to Arlene and I was like, okay, so do you want me to put them out today? Because Rose had asked me to do that because I'm not going to be in Thursday or Friday. So she goes, no, I'll put them out Friday. She goes, we're also not going to pay two people to sit in that town, in the area where they're doing the swabs and do nothing. So it's kind of like she's complaining about nothing. Like you're complaining because you're getting paid to sit and wait for people to do COVID swabs. So that's basically what she was complaining about. And I was like, oh, damn, Arlene, like <laughs> getting super ghetto and ratchet with it. Because, you know, my, my department is becoming nothing but drama these days. And it's not between us employees. It's between nursing staff and directors of nursing. That's what the problem is lately. We are horribly, horribly understaffed. And, you know, people are getting written up for being mandated and leaving because you're informed of that policy when you uh when you accept the position so you can't play dumb when they mandate you and then write you up later because you are informed of the policy and procedure which states you're mandated you have to sign a refusal form when you do and if you don't sign that and you leave when you're mandated you get written up so this one chick got really mad and was really pissed off at the fact that she was getting written up because she couldn't stay and they were like listen she was so she wasn't more pissed off about the fact that she got written up is what I meant to say. What she was pissed off about is the fact that she has to pay the price for staffing issues and other people not wanting to work, which is it's a valid complaint. But like with what's going on right now and you getting paid whatever you're getting paid, because if you're getting OT, you're getting that time and a half. Like, I don't know how upset I would really be if I don't have anything going on, if I don't have kids or anything, if I don't have a husband who needs me or whatever. Just, you know, send that quick message to your spouse or whatever and be like, listen, I'm not coming home or whatever. Like I have to work a double or something. Because once you do it and get it out of the way, you don't have to do it again for a while. Like they put your name at the bottom of the list for people they're going to call to mandate and, you know, whatever. So anyway, that that my department is becoming insane is basically what I'm getting at. And uh you know, I'm I'm only for the lab requisitions, my only complaint is that, you know, I'll do them as long as you don't pretend like you want to learn how to do them. That's what I'm getting at. And I only do like one or two a day now, which is fine. I don't have a problem with it. But like don't come into my face and be like, "Oh, I should probably learn how to do these now, right?" Yeah, yeah, you should. <laughs> you should and stop taking up my time. And uh like, just just take notes. Like, if you want me to teach you how to do something, let me know. Like, nobody takes advantage of the fact that, you know, you can call me and I'll help you. I really would rather you not pretend. I'd really, you just want to be like, Corinne, can you come sit with me for a little bit? I'll put my mask on and sit right next to you and show you how to do it. But like, nobody really wants to learn anything. They just want to keep putting it on another person to do. Like the other day I got mad. It, I had just sat down and I think, I, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, I had just sat down and Beth, one of my bosses, comes up to me and she goes, uh, 
<laughs> she says, um, can you do me a favor and can you print me out a spreadsheet of just the per diem CNAs? Now, I don't have a problem with doing a task like that because I've made plenty of lists with all the nursing staff on it. So I have something already that I can just cut and paste from. My issue is that I have sent her the same list with full-time and per diem, all nursing. So LPNs, RNs, CNAs, nurse care supervisors, nurse care managers, everybody is on that list. My issue is that maybe don't let this be your shortcoming during COVID. If you have to take a test or a class to freshen up on your Excel skills, do that. Because this can't be, you can't be this high up in this facility and not know how to do something that simple. She has the list on her computer. I've emailed it to her and I've printed it for her. So she has both. So I think next time I'm just going to get, I'm just going to email it to her and I'm going to be like, here, now you have a copy of it. I really don't want to be asked about this again. <laughs> like, But I'm just saying, I know it's really stupid to be mad about that, but that's really frustrating when I just sit down with all my bags and everything and people come up to you as if you're already dialed into what you're going to do for the day. Like, I have no idea what I'm going to sit down. Like, I had no idea Monday what I was coming back to. And it was a whole mess of paperwork. Wound reports had to be sent out. I had to do fire watch for something that happened. Like, the fire watch happened on my birthday. And I wasn't here, obviously. So I had to do that for last week. I had to call the switchboard. Like, there was a whole bunch of other things I had to do. And then to then the day the next day to come in and be bothered with dumb shit. Like, and then another thing, I get handed a piece of paper that I've never seen before in my life and I'm supposed to pretend to figure it out. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this, but at least I'm honest about it because I've never been given this piece of paper before and I, I don't know. That's genuinely, I don't know. And at least I have the courage to say stuff like that because people don't. People either pretend to be a know-it-all or they just brush it off and dismiss it. So so that 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 would be... I think that's a good place to, you know, and, and this craziness, <laughs> I'm hoping I was able to entertain you for this long because I don't usually go past half an hour. So I must've really went off on this whole Crystalia thing, which, you know, like I said, we live in a, a society that likes to cancel people very early on. I mean, it's just, it feels very biased with cancel culture because Chris Brown was canceled for like five minutes and then we're still all jamming to his music and he beat Rihanna up. He beat Rihanna up. We had photographers out there. We had paparazzi out there while he was picking up trash on the side of the road. And because he did all that shit, he's a good guy, I guess, again, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Oh, I also found out another interesting piece of information. Apparently the porn star Ron Jeremy got booked for sexual assault or rape or something. I think it was rape, but I didn't really, again, didn't really look into that because that wasn't really the focus of my episode. But I, I have to say either I'm watching too much scandal or there's a big coincidence going on where all these men are getting taken down. I don't really care about Ron Jeremy. He's a fat slob. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, I really shouldn't be biased about that either. But he was in porn. Okay, he probably thinks he can have everybody because he was in porn and everyone's seen his dick. Like, unacceptable. Unacceptable behavior. Like, there's, there has to be a, there's some kind of conspiracy going on because four men cannot be convicted or alleged to have done the same shit at like days apart. Four people 
Danny Masterson, freaking then Crystalia, Ansel Elgort, Justin Bieber. Like, what is going on? I'm watching too much scandal, but there's something bigger happening here, and I need to know what it is. Someone has to tell me what it is, because me, being the Olivia Pope right now, is trying to put on her white hat and go up to her cracked glass windows and try and sort this out with pictures and destinations and shit, and, you know, bibbidi-bobbidi-boop, everyone comes out okay. Like, I just really can't. It's just so exhausting. And then with COVID going on and then, you know, Black Lives Matter. And then I heard about fucking McDonald's at 42nd Street, like in Times Square's closing down. Like, this is going to be the most depressing fucking summer there is. I need to, like, escape New York. I really do. This this whole being cooped up and going from, like, work to home and home to work and home to work and work to home and work to the store, maybe. And then that's it. We don't have any kind of shit to do, man. No kind of shit to do. It's way too fucking hot out to be running around, walking around, sweat my tits off. <laughs> like, I'm trying to plan, like, a 4th of July thing to get away, and it might work. It might happen. I'm thinking Vermont or Maine or something, which I think could be fun. I think it'd be fun because I've never been there before. And, you know, Atlantic City is so damn expensive. Wanted to book a room there for, like, two nights, and it was almost $700 with tax. <laughs> I'm like, you know, Atlantic City, yeah, you're all right, but I'm not paying no $700 for two nights. But the other place, the showboat, had uh, really, um, really mixed reviews. So I kind of didn't want to chance it. Some people said they had a great experience. Other people said, you know, there was hair all over the place, but the staff did a really good job. The staff did not do a good job if there was black hair all over the place. And then all you see is the one person, I think the one person who was responding to all the damn comments and reviews and shit was like, you know, oh, thank you for, thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the, like, is the same fucking automated response almost, or sorry, you didn't enjoy yourself, or thanks for the feedback on the room. We're looking forward, we're uh, moving forward with uh, correcting the issue and da, da, da. And now with COVID going on, one of the reviews was that, you know, housekeeping wasn't going into the rooms. Because you can't touch people's personal items. Actually, you know what? That's not true now. Because with all the PPE and masks and stuff, and PPE is um, proper protective equipment, something like that, like the N95s and the gloves and shit. Everybody should be doing that at this moment. So there's no reason. Actually, they should have been doing that before COVID happened. Like, why would a housekeeper go into a room without gloves on and touch people's shit? Like, aren't you cleaning like, I know I've worked in a hotel before, and those ladies work hard. And I've been in those rooms, and those rooms used to smell pristine. I worked at the Hampton Inn in Newburgh for about a year and some change. And when you work in hospitality, it doesn't really have the glamour to it that you would think. <laughs> I worked front desk. I saw a lot of shit. I've worked overnights before. I know what that's all about. And, you know, it's just it's usually just one chaotic thing after another, especially if you don't speak fluent Spanish and the rest of the staff do. There's a communication barrier. <laughs> but um, I had that. That was it was a fun first job. It was really easy money. I used to stand around for eight hours and just chill. But um, I don't know where I was going with any of this. But, yeah, we're trying to plan a vacation to go away for a little bit. You know, I have off the day before. So hoping we do something. I really would rather not sit in, oh great, someone's alarm. I hope you can't hear that. If you can, I'm sorry. 
uh, hoping to get away. It's just, we're a little too cooped up. Um, I stay mostly to the bedroom because it's the coolest room in the house. And it's actually kind of like my gym now all of a sudden. And how disappointing is that the gyms aren't opening in the next phase? But we got nail salons back, so that's good. <laughs> so it's like priorities, you know? Do I want to be fat and sit in one of those chairs, the pedicure chair that like curls up around your weight, uh, around your side like that? And like, you know what it means? And then like there's the one part that goes up your butt a little bit. <laughs> the chair like folds your sides in, like your saddlebags, like, hey, fat bitch. Hey, fat bitch. Like it just moves in. Like the two, they're like, you sit down and the chair's fine. When you push that massage button, the shit folds in and up. And almost like you're in a bucket seat at um on a roller coaster in Six Flags. It goes that far and it just shoves your fat together. And now you're sweating everywhere because the chair is massaging you too hard. And then you have the one thing going up your butt the whole time. So, you know, maybe those pedicure chairs are should be convicted of sexual assault too. I don't know. <laughs> but I really miss a pedicure. I think I'm going to have to go do that soon. Pedicures probably. I'm not going to do my nails anymore because I'm okay with them. They grew out from all the damage I've done to them putting those stupid fake acrylic shits on. So I'm feeling really good about that. And, uh, oh, also, I've started watching um, Extreme Cheapskates. Holy shit. What people will do to pinch a penny. I was watching it in the bedroom. And while I'm trying to eat my Chipotle, I got a chicken burrito bowl. It's delicious. <laughs> and uh, this guy, this guy's, this guy's fucking nuts. I would never do this. Not even in a position where I have the money to do so. Just to be an ass. Like, I would never do this even drunk. Like, there's a lot of shit you've seen people do that they would never do sober, that they do drunk. So this, this guy goes up. Oh, my God. I was so embarrassed. He's been married for 25 years, which is another thing. How the fuck is this guy married? And also, bitch, why did you marry him? You married into that crazy shit. You saw him do the crazy shit. And I'll get into how she knows that he's fucking likes to be frugal as shit i understand being frugal when you have to but whatever so that's either here or there so this guy they open the episode with him going up to people and asking if they're gonna finish their food dude like he walks up to these people and he goes uh hey are you gonna be uh are you it's either something like are you gonna finish that or are you going to have leftovers possibly? And if they say, no, I'm probably not going to finish this. And they like look like they've been sitting with the food in front of them for a while. Dude, uh, he freaking goes up with a to-go box and like scoops their food from their plate onto into a to-go box. First of all, <laughs> besides that being really rude, at least wait for them to get up and leave. With the plate, like with the plates on the table. Secondly, I don't know how people eat these days where he thinks that that's okay. My mouth is all over the utensils and then scooping up the food. And this guy was taking their food after they've been licking all over their utensils, putting it into the food, putting the food in their mouth, and then using that same utensil to scoop up more food from that plate. Sir, you're going to catch a disease. You're going to catch a disease and either your tongue's going to fall off, your lips are going to fall off, but like you can't be, it's kind of like he should have just licked the inside of the person's mouth. Okay. That's the equivalent to what he did. And he does it in front of his wife. And I'm going to tell you how she knew that he was cheap as shit 
because he went and <laughs> they were going for a walk. I'm laughing because this is so stupid. They're walking and they're by the, the church or the courthouse or wherever they got married. Frugal, so probably a courthouse where they signed a document and said, yeah, I guess. And that was it. So she tells the story of how they got married. And she said, I realized that he was the cheapest man alive because they threw rice at our wedding. Like when we came out, they throw rice. And here the guy is picking the rice up on the floor from the from the outside ground where people's dirty, shitty shoes have been walking, where pigeons chill, where dogs piss and shit and all that. Like all that. Yeah, I'm getting disgusting for a reason to prove a point. This guy brought... He brought that rice home, dude. He scooped up the rice as much as he could, scooped it up, brought it home, and then cooked it for dinner, and they ate it. <laughs> oh, my God. This lady's been married to him for 25 years with this shit. He buys two-ply paper, toilet paper, split, separates it so he has two rolls. He reuses paper towels. He uh, His razor blades he sharpens with the with the sharp part of the matchbox. That you use to strike the match. <laughs> he reuses paper towels. They said that he saved $2,000 on paper towels. And I was like, ugh. What are you wiping up with those paper towels? And then, first of all, you wet them and then you hang them up to dry and that's it. So he did that. He's also a dumpster diver. And they showed what he got his wife for their 25th anniversary. And... For their 25th anniversary, he spent $1.68. He went dumpster diving first and found her like one of those metal um, metal teapots. Oh, my God. This guy. So he did that. And if you're boiling water in that, I guess that solves most of your problem. But it's still a problem, and that's still gross. Don't dumpster dive for an anniversary gift, sir. Then he went to like a liquidator place. And most of the time, I guess what they said is, from what I'm learning anyway from this bizarre-ass show, is that they have shit that's expired or close to expiring. So he said that she loves animals and she likes crackers. So he bought her animal crackers. And then he goes, she likes water and here's a bottle of water. So he bought her a bottle of water and animal crackers for her 25th anniversary. I would divorce him the next day. I would run screaming because so he gives her that and he dumpster dove, excuse me, dumpster dove and he got her flowers from the garbage. I rolled my eyes so hard. My head hurts. Like I have such a headache talking about this right now because how has this lady been married to this guy for fucking 25 years? And if I was single at the moment, I would be like, but I can't get a phone call back or a text back phone call i don't talk on the phone (laughs) then they show another family they show a family i got like three things to cover on this and then we'll wrap this up but this family okay so they had eighty nine thousand dollars with a credit card debt now once they finally started pinching pennies and cutting corners and all that they said that they were able to take care of that debt in less than a year bro they have serious cash if they can take care of eighty nine thousand dollars worth of debt in less than a year that's insane. So they can live, they can afford to live however they want. And they don't. What is so taboo about this family is that they do not, the mom will not spend money on toilet paper. 
She said, families go broke and go into debt over buying toilet paper. And I wanted to say, girl, how much toilet paper are you buying that you're going into debt? <laughs> going into debt over toilet paper. I've never heard of that before. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. But anyway, so she she uses she uses cloth instead. So and she said her reasoning is that well his the the husband's reasoning, he said that he was okay with it after he got used to it because he said he needed a more sturdy material to wipe with. And I said, "Sir, maybe don't buy cheap brand toilet paper that your fingers going to go right through when you're wiping." Like, wow. <laughs> so they use towels and they have like a little trash bucket where they throw those towels. Like they use like washcloths basically to wipe their ass, which I'm like, oh my God. So that that's what they use. They have like a little garbage bucket next to their toilet where they dump, dump their shit. Literally, because you're wiping your ass and then that's it. You're not flushing anything at that point. So she said that. And then not only that, but oh God. So... She throws those dirty rags, like she'll take the thing and dump it into the thing, into the washer. It's so stupid. I can't even figure out words. She dumps the bucket with the used up towels into the washer. And she said that she's solving, like the germs can't survive a harsh environment like that. That's basically what she said as to why she's okay with throwing towels that have fecal matter into her washer. First of all, no. Incorrect. If you ever have been to a public laundromat, you know that you do not want to use the washer or dryer that has seen dirty drawers. Okay? No skid marked panties or a machine that has had skid marked panties or boxers in it is touching my stuff. That's like one of the cautionary tales of using a public laundromat is... If you see something that looks sketchy, don't use the machine after that person. That's basically it. And my grandmother has probably had that experience because she has a laundromat in her building that she has no control over unless she sits there and starts yelling at people. So that's that. So that family's disgusting. They go to a thrift shop called Dirty Don's Bargain Bin or something like that. And they go there and it's another liquidation spot and it's stuff that's either close to expiring or is expired. She's going through with her family, with her young kids, and is reading the packaged on date to see whether or not she thinks the food's okay to eat. I'm telling you right now, I'm not eating at this lady's house. She was looking at a bag of cheese and I think it was June... 2000 something, 2010 or something like that. And she goes, well, I don't see any mold on it. We're questioning the freshness of cheese that's expired, ma'am. Like, that's questionable. It's dairy. Questionable. It's dairy. That's, do you hear what I'm saying? Dairy should probably not be utilized after its sell-by date. If I'm being perfectly honest, because that shit goes bad so quickly. She was looking at bags of tomato sauce. Bags. Like when you get those, um, oh boy, the, um, some things that come in pouches. Like sometimes sauces come in pouches. So she was looking at that and they were 50 cents a piece. And the, the expiration date on it was November 2009. And I wanted to pause it so quickly to see what year the episode came out. But I was like, you know what? I don't want to throw up. So I'm going to wait because I was trying to eat my dinner. So she spent maybe 
on dinner to feed 11 people because she had people coming over who also had kids. And then she decided to go on a quote-unquote nature walk with her family and pull natural vegetation from the ground. No. No, no, nope. There's animals out there that are peeing and shitting in these fields and you're pulling up wild chives. No, girl, no. I'm like, yo, if this lady, if the friend that came over tonight with her husband and kids watched this episode, she's probably no longer friends with them. Okay? Because first of all, I would have had to have hold my bowel movement or my urination because I'm not using a towel to wipe my ass. Secondly, food was expired. You fed me expired food. If we were in times where there weren't vaccines available, I'd have died immediately after that food. After eating that food, immediately death. Just freaking dig up a spot six feet under, like six feet down, and just throw me in it. Because I would not expect to wake up the next morning after eating this shit. So, and you have to see the mixture of fucking cereals she was putting together in this bag. She said, oh, I like to make bread with it. Girl, if I see Cheerios in my loaf of bread, like, (laughs) why is there Cheerios in my banana nut loaf, okay? She made three different cookie cakes. Again, questionable if it was fresh or not. I'm going to guess not in this instance. And she then, oh, so what's this other guy about? Oh, so this other guy, so this is the third guy, and then we'll wrap this up. So this third guy liked to barter. So he said he came from... Uh, I guess the guy was a priest is what he said his dad was. So he came from humble beginnings. So he said that he likes to provide a service and trade for a service. This guy doesn't pay anything for anything. Okay. And what I mean is I watched this guy go into a place to get his haircut and he paid nothing for that haircut. Do you know how? He traded services. He said he would help clean the place up. He would sweep. He would take out the garbage, etc. So he helped them clean that place. And you know what? They gave him the haircut. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy got a haircut for free. I'm like, but see, this is stuff that we don't think about. Like, anybody could barter anything. Like, Laura and I barter, but it's silly shit between friends. I'm not going into a business to embarrass myself and barter my way into some snacks or some shit. He got a venue for free for this party he was throwing. He got the baker to bake them a cake for free, and they even threw in fucking extra snacks too, like eclairs and shit. I was like, wow, this guy. I was like, how do I become friends with this guy? (laughs) Actually, I don't think I'd want to. I don't think I'd want to be friends with any of these people because that guy would have got the first guy with the I'm going to take your food before you're done with it shit. That guy would have got punched right in the face. Oh, my gosh. Punch right in the face. I have no new Bonnie story this week. She's been out. But I do have CNAs coming up to me asking about these silly ass Obers again. And I'm going to tell you right now, if they keep asking me, I'm hitting somebody. And then I'm probably going to get fired. Uh, Also, I got to say, my bosses are very scared of the employees who like to get loud and stuff. One of them threatened to call the cops on a CNA or a nurse or something because... He said something to her and she felt very threatened and she said, I'm the one that has to deal with this harassment all the time and I'm sick of this shit and next time he does that, I'm calling the police. I was like, well, you know, here's the other thing. So you can only, you can only be as offended by something someone does 
on your own. Like only you can be offended by something. Like only you can make yourself offended at something someone says. So if he were to say something to you, you don't even, you shouldn't even have like show a reaction to it. Like you're sure. Of course, someone's saying something shitty to you, but at the same time, does it really fucking matter what they said? Probably not. I think everybody's just being way too dramatic and is way too stressed out over what's happening right now. And I think everybody needs to take the biggest chill pill and just sit down or take a nap or something. And speaking of naps and such, I have taken care of a lot of people on my Facebook friends list because I'm just so over all the bullshit that's happening. Had a lot of people on my shit as my friends that were just taking up space. I don't want any more dead weight this year. I've been doing really good in life and stuff and just simple things like like scandals and shit are just getting me down. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, you know, how can we pick this back up? And uh, one of the ways I did that is by deleting 400 people off my friends list, including people I used to go to parties and shit with. And one of which who just wanted to save face, you know, and just be my friend to make herself feel better. And I just don't want that shit anymore. I don't want anyone knowing about my life anymore that needs to. And I feel way, way better. <laughs> I feel way, way better. Excuse me, I hiccuped. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, man, I just talked for an hour. Wow. Uh, an hour on my own, too. <laughs> I hope you guys didn't get lost. I hope you were able to follow through to the end. And, you know, like I said, I'm really just trying to stay hopeful. But like this is this summer has been depressing so far. <laughs> I say that like it's been going on spring into summer because we just actually came into summer on Saturday or Sunday, whenever the summer solstice starts. But uh, I've just been binge watching stuff to take my mind off things because I'm just so tired of my brain being in overdrive. And what's the next move going to be? Like, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do tomorrow? What bill has to get paid? Like, I just need a minute of my brain to shut off and watch stupid shit and talk about stupid shit. And you guys that are listening to this and pay attention to this, allow me to talk about dumb shit. And I shit you not, things can only get better from here, right? It can only get better. Let's open up New York and have some fun stuff to do that's not only indoors, but I mean, not only outdoors because we've been stuck inside. But um, yeah, I think actually I think restaurants are opening as long as they're 50% capacity, they'll let people in. So I think that's good. Um, I'd like to go out to eat soon. Not that it's necessary, but it's a treat for yourself is basically what it is. You get to go have fun for a little bit. But um, this has been fun. This has been quite an adventure for the day. I didn't really think I had it in me to do it for an hour, but, you know, try to do something a little special for uh, episode 30. And uh, so this should this is this is going to be an interesting couple weeks because hopefully I'll have enough stuff to talk about for an hour every week. I think I'm going to try and amp it up a little bit because we made it to episode 30 and, you know, past an hour. So I'm excited and uh, I'm not editing out anything. So if you don't care for the pauses, I mean, you're not really a Coco fan, are you? <laughs> um, all right. Well, guys, you know, subscribe, rate, and review if you like the podcast. Um, it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I'm trying to post as much as I possibly can. I'm trying to post on my Twitter. I'm trying to post on uh, Instagram and Facebook and stuff and, you know, trying to make things better one step at a time. I hope you made you laugh a little bit because, you know, talking about having one nut, no legs. Wow. 
<laughs> all right, guys. So um, love you all. Thank you for listening. And, you know, if I can make your day just a little bit better, that's my goal. Like I said, I do this for fun. Um, I don't really hope to gain anything out of this, but if I do, that would be a bonus. I just think it's uh, it's nice to have a place to be able to talk to people. And I think if you if you ever need me, you can reach me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at Coco underscore Fonseca. On uh, Instagram, I'm CocoBB20. Uh, let me know if you're a fan or not. Uh, this has been Cuckoo with Coco. And, you know, anytime you're listening to this, I hope you're having a cuckoo day. Have a good night, good morning, good e- good day. Whenever you're listening to this, it's always a cuckoo time. See you later, guys. Bye.